The point I'd like to make here uh, to introduce my subject today is just that uh, in some ways sin is like a boomerang. It returns to you. So let's look at a, a, a few Proverbs here to begin with. Proverbs 26. These are just basic truths related to this idea of sin returning to you. Proverbs 26, 27. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. And then 28, 10. He who leads the upright astray in an evil way will himself fall into his own pit. See what he's saying? He's saying your sin is going to return to you one way or another. Now, the encouraging thing is that on the positive side, righteousness has a boomerang effect also. If we will be merciful, we'll find mercy. We'll, we'll receive mercy. If we give, it shall be given to us. So let's look at a proverb on that. Proverb 11.25 The generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. You see that boomerang effect in relationship to righteousness also. Just like a boomerang, blessings that are given out will return to you. Now, there's actually some Proverbs that bring out both the positive and the negative uh, aspects of things returning to us in the same proverb. So let's look at Proverbs uh, chapter 11. There's a number of them right here in chapter 11. Verse 6 says, The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the treacherousness but the treacherous will be caught in their own greed. The treacherous will be caught in their own deed. And then verse 17. The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. And verse 19. He who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life, and he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. Now, it may not always be the case in this life that we see these things, but God will make sure that we reap what we sow. So, that's kind of an introduction to this section I'd like to speak on this morning. I'd like to briefly look at a section of Scripture that brings out this truth. So, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we will begin reading with verse 8. To sum up, now he's summing up quite a bit of what he's taught already in this letter. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, 
not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Give a blessing, a blessing will return. Four, and then he quotes the Old Testament. Let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, in this section, Peter's summing up some of the instruction he's given concerning uh, relationships in the early church there. Uh, the relationship, he's already talked about the relationship of the Christian to government. He's talked about the relationship of slave, slaves and masters. He's talked about the relationship of husband and wives. And his desire was that Christians would keep their behavior excellent, as he says, keep their behavior excellent among the Gentiles, the, the world, the lost people, that God might be glorified and the gospel go forth through them. In other words, what he was saying is it's not enough just to speak the gospel. You have to demonstrate the gospel. You have to show the real outworkings of the gospel in everyday life. And then he quotes Psalm 34 to show that this was indeed what God taught in the Old Testament and it's uh, the same as what is being taught in uh, the New Testament here. And it was of particular importance to remember these things at this time in in the life of the early church because Christians were going through very hard days, very hard times, various trials he talks about. Uh, This was the beginning of the persecution uh, that was coming from the Roman Empire. So this letter was written to Christians scattered throughout the empire who were being distressed by various trials. And so it was doubly important to have these truths in their hearts and minds and applied in their, through their lives. They were to take Christ as their example of how to act and react in times of suffering and sorrow. Let's just, let me just give a brief, uh, if you turn to chapter 1, verse 1. He, Peter says, uh, he's re- as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's writing to those who reside as aliens. 1, verse 1 scattered throughout. So this is, wasn't just one church he was writing to. It was scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. So he's writing to Christians scattered all around, and they were scattered because of the persecution that had taken place. Uh, and if you skip down to verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, the fact that they, Christ had chosen them and brought them into his kingdom. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you are distressed by various trials. So they were, they were suffering. They were, there were problems that were going on uh, related to persecution. Uh, and they felt that they were aliens in this, this type of situation. And they were. He's, he, that's what he calls them, aliens. But, he, but Peter wants to emphasize to them, you're aliens in that setting, but you're part of a great nation. You're part of a chosen people. Um, If you go over to chapter 2 and verse 9, 
but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You may be an alien in the world, but you're part of a great nation. You're part of a holy, uh, a holy nation, a people of God's own for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And then, if you just skip down to verse 11, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So that's kind of the context of these verses that we're looking at today. So he says, to sum up, he says, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. In other words, I think right there he's talking about our relationship as Christians to one another. Now, what he's saying here is quite the opposite of the way the world reacts to afflictions and trials and troubles. It's uh, just human nature, human fallen nature. We normally tend when people and things seem to be against us, we want to go against them. One writer said it this way. He said, Satan's way is to return evil for good. Man's way is to return evil for evil, and God's way is to return good for evil. So Peter is calling Christians to take the high and holy way, the way of Christ, uh, in the midst of adversity. And as he's calling them to do that, first of all, he emphasizes, I, I think really what he's emphasizing in verse 8 is how we should deal with one another as Christians. Our, adator, our attitude and actions toward each other in difficult times. What should we do as Christians? We should pull together. When times get hard, we don't go isolate ourselves. We get with other people of like precious faith. We pull together, we work together, we stick together. There should be harmony. They should be harmonious, as he says here seeking to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And we're not talking about uniformity here where that leaves no room for variety or diversity amongst people, but we're talking about a unity of purpose, a, a unity of having one main thing as the focus of our life, which of course is Christ. One main desire, one great goal, to glorify God through Christ and to... And to show a kindness and love to one another. On that, on that basic thing, all believers should be same-minded. They should have the same mind about that. Uh, as there's a famous quote that Augustine, uh, I think is the one that came up with it, he said, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. That should be our attitude. In essentials, those basic things of Christianity, unity on those things. In non-essentials, things that there's some question about. Give some liberty there amongst, amongst people, uh, believers. But in all things, charity. Always have that attitude of, of wanting to be harmonious. So that's the first thing he mentions. 
Next thing he says is sympathetic. Sympathetic. This has to do with showing an empathy for the situation of others. Kind of putting yourself in their shoes. Rejoicing with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep. Not being hard-hearted concerning others' needs, especially when they're going through hard times. A sympathetic person is one who is quick to feel and show affection. Not just feel it, but show it. Quick to feel and show affection. Christians should be known as people who are sympathetic towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. First of all, towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. Having a disposition which is able to enter into one another's joys and sorrows. That should be a mark of the, of the Christian church. A disposition that is able to enter into one another's joys and sorrows. So he goes on from there and mentions that we should be brotherly. And of course these, these things overlap somewhat. All of these overlap. But he says that we should be brotherly looking upon other Christians as part of our spiritual family where there's real brotherly love. Philadelphia, that's where that city name came from. City of brotherly love. Philadelphia, loving the brethren. A love for one another because we are now related as fellow members of God's family. We're, we're in his family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a love that develops between those who know themselves to be the objects of the Heavenly Father's love. If we all have a Heavenly Father, surely we're related, aren't we? A loving Heavenly Father. He says this in chapter 1, verse 21 of First Peter, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. A sincere love of the brethren, a fervent love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. He mentions this again back in uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Let's just turn to that real quickly. Chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. First of all, he says we're to honor all men. Whether they're Christians or not. Honor all men. One, well, let me just uh, take a little time on that. We're to treat everyone honorably. Having a respectful attitude toward all others as fellow creatures made in the image of God. I like the way one commentator put it. He said, there is something that goes under the name of honor generally that is due to every person without exception. Unto the least we owe some measure of esteem. Negatively, we are not to entertain despising, disdainful thoughts of any. Positively, we, do, we are to observe and respect the smallest good that is in any. So just out on the street, 
we should go with an attitude. I, I'm going to have an attitude of honor towards this person as one fellow creature made in the image of God. But there's a special bond, a special esteem, a special love that we have for the brethren. So he's, he says, honor all men, love the brotherhood. That is, those who are Christians. It, this is what Jesus taught as one of the main marks of Christianity. You know, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And he's talking about Christians here. People will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And Peter goes on to bring out another aspect of this brotherly love later on in the letter. He says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. There's that word fervent again. He, he emphasizes this. Our love amongst Christians should be a fervent love. But he says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, why did he tack that on? Because sometimes it's not going to be that easy to love one another. There's going to be problems that come up. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be sins that take place amongst Christians. There will be differences. There will be difficulties in the church. So there will be need for fervent love for one another to cover a multitude of that type of thing. A multitude of sins. So... Harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted. Of course, again, very close, closely related. This has to do with being tender and caring and loving from the heart, which is just the opposite of what they were experiencing in the Roman world at that time. It was cruel and violent. I mean, we can think of the great architecture and things like that, but Rome was cruel, and Rome was violent. You can think, for instance, of the bloody gladiator fights and the callous abandoning of unwanted children back at that time. If they had a baby and didn't want it, they'd just expose it. That's cruel. That's callous. Gladiator fights. Think of going to an arena and watching people kill one another. It was a cruel society. And here was Christianity set right down in the middle of that. It wasn't long before the Christians were right, right in those arenas. And I, just as an aside, let me say that sadly we're seeing our culture go this way more and more. It's becoming callous and uncaring. And the further we get away from basic Christian truth, the more callous and uncaring caring this culture will become. Any culture will do that. Well, in the midst of this type of thing, we need to cultivate compassion and kindness, especially for our fellow Christians. They might be in a different group. They might be in a different, from a different background. Wherever we find them, we should seek to show compassion and kindness because the world is not going to do that for God's people. We need to do that for one another. So after that, after kind-hearted, he mentions humble in spirit. 
This is an attitude of not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. An attitude of regarding others as more important than ourselves. It's the attitude that Christ had when he came down from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. That's that attitude of coming down, that's the attitude of humility. It's the opposite of being high-minded and haughty. It's taking the low position. This is what Peter's encouraging these Christians to do in this situation where they find themselves. I think, really, humility is a necessary ingredient if we're going to have these first four things that he talked about, uh, being harmonious and sympathetic and brotherly and kind-hearted. You're going to have to be humble to do that. Humble in spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, Humility is one of the chief of all Christian virtues. It is the hallmark of a child of God. So right here in the center of these exhortations that Peter gives, he puts being humble in spirit. Being humble in spirit. He goes on from there. Peter goes on from there in verse 9. And I think he's now dealing more with how we should react toward non-Christians. What's he say? Well, we should not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead, for you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. See, it's important for the Christian not to use the world's methods uh, in dealing with those that oppose them. What are the world's methods? Well, they, they use insults and abusive speech and reviling to try to get back at the person that does them wrong. And Peter's saying, do not do that. Don't try to use the world's methods to win an argument. In fact, he says we're supposed to do just the opposite. Think of what he's saying here. We're supposed to do just the opposite. We're supposed to bless those that curse us. We're supposed to return good for evil. And we're supposed to pray for those who oppress us. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. In fact, Peter says, we were called for this very purpose. That we're called into this situation as Christians to react this way. Why? So that we might inherit a blessing. We're to bless those that curse us so that we might inherit a blessing. In other words, we don't just bless those that bless us. We bless those that curse us so that we might inherit a blessing because it's, it's Christ-like. It's the way Christ lived. It's what Christ, if Christ hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be here today. Peter says earlier on in chapter 2, For you were called for this very purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. 
God will show favor to us as we try to be try to be a blessing even to those who oppose us. Now we can't always see the fruit of that. People don't always respond correctly. Often they do though. Often they recognize here's someone treating me different than anybody else has ever treated me. And I was wrong to treat them that way. So in trying to bring home this point, in these points in verse 9, he quotes the Old Testament. He's quoting a psalm of David, Psalm 34. And I think he quotes it because it sums up simply and directly the way, the way of life that Peter was describing in these first verses here that we've looked at, 8 and 9. He tells us that if we desire to love life and see good days, we should refrain our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking guile. We should turn away from evil and do good. We should seek peace and pursue it. So what's he saying? Let's just expand on it a little bit here. Our tongues must be bridled. See, he says refrain the tongue from evil. You can't just let it go off on its own. It has to, the tongue has to be held back. Christians are one who learn to bridle their tongue. Our lips must be made to speak truth lovingly, not allowed to speak anything evil or malicious or misleading. You have to, do, you have to pull the reins in and you have to direct the tongue and the lips in the right direction. Our feet should be turned away from evil and turned toward good actions and activities, things that are truly right and beneficial towards others. And we should seek peace and pursue it. Peace doesn't just happen. It's not as easy as the song says, give peace a chance. There must be a persistent and active effort to pursue peace. You've got to pursue it. You've got to go, go after it. It will take work to create peace where there's discord and strife and quarrels. So what he's saying here is to have peace, you have to go after it and keep after it. Seek peace and pursue it. So how do we know that we'll love life and see good days if we seek to live this way? The answer is in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears, are atten- and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God will make sure that good comes back to the good person because he's a good God and he will do us good. I mean, this is, it has to be this way because God said it. That's why Peter quotes this section. He's saying, I know it doesn't always look like this, but you can be sure that this is the case because this is 
these are promises from God. This is what God said he'll do. Let me just say that again. Good will come back to the good person because there's a good God who will do us good. Evil will come back upon the evil person because God is against evil. We're talking about the boomerang. You see, you remember how we started here. Just like there are principles of aerodynamics that cause the boomerang to return if it's thrown properly, so there are moral principles that God has put as part of this universe that make it inevitable that evil will eventually come back on the evil person and good will eventually come back to help the good person. But that's not really the best way of saying it because that gives you kind of an idea of an impersonal principle out there making this uh, reality to be the case. But it's not like that. We're talking about much more here than an impersonal principle. We're talking about the actions of an infinite personal God. That's why I think the, the, the verse says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. God doesn't have eyes and ears, but he's trying to show that there's a personal God behind this universe that has set things up this way, and he's going to make sure it happens this way. He'll personally bring about these results. Now we know from the rest of the letter, if you've read, uh, read it lately, you realize that righteous living does not exempt us from various trials and sufferings in this life. Our blessings in the New Testament time, this age that we live in now, are generally more inward and personal and spiritual rather than external, material, and physical. Loving life and seeing good days, which he talks about here in verse 10, have a lot more to do with our reaction to the situation than the situation itself. We can react in a way by the help of the Holy Spirit that these things do not make us despise life. We must determine to love life with an attitude of faith, knowing that God will make sure that all will ultimately be right and well. In Psalm 34, which is what this section is taken from, David took this attitude even in the midst of affliction and persecution. He starts out, if you, if you would turn back, you don't need to right now, but if you turn back to Psalm 34, this is how it starts out. I will bless the Lord at all times, good times, bad times, difficult times, uh, pleasant times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The fact is that our best days are usually not our easy days. Our best days in this present life are our hard days when we experience God's help and presence. That's really the days that we'll, we'll look back to as our best days. Now the time when we will completely love life and see good days is in the age to come when Christ comes again, when Christ returns. But until that time, until that day when Christ comes again, we're, we're to take these, these attitudes. This, he says, to sum up, this is what I want you to, 
get a hold of here. We're to take this attitude. We need to, to band together as believers. We're scattered throughout the world. There's believers all around the world. When we find them, we band together with them. Living in harmony and sympathy and brotherly love, being kind-hearted and humble in spirit. And as we have to deal, we have to live in this world, deal with non-Christians, we're to honor them and not return evil for evil, insult for insult, but, but give a blessing instead, for we were called for this very purpose. We're to seek peace, always be peacemakers, to seek peace and pursue it, knowing that God has called us to this in Christ. So it's not always possible Sometimes such efforts will be taken advantage of. It's not always possible to live at peace with all men, but from our side, that's the attitude we want to take. If possible, live at peace with all men. So in closing, just to emphasize, it may not always be possible to live at peace with people. They're not going to be peaceful towards us sometimes. But the God who makes boomerangs return, if they're thrown correctly, will bring blessing upon those who, by his grace through faith, seek to follow Christ's life and teaching towards all men. It's going to be that way. The sin is going to return on the evil person because there's a, there's a real God up there that hates evil. And blessings are going to return on the person that seeks to be a blessing because there's a God up there that blesses people like that. He blesses us that we might bless others that he might bless us more. Is about what it amounts to. He blesses us, bringing us into his kingdom so that we might bless other people and that God might bless us more for being that way. Well... Uh, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs>